Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rana McBerto. Well, your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. Well, 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 the trial is on. The trial continues. And one continues to wonder, are you guys serious? Uh, you know, I, I've got to say one thing, guys. I have really got to say one thing. Democracy is great. But it's also easily abused. I mean, this case is open and shut, but we hear so much. So much, so much, so much. But anyhow, welcome aboard, Michael Rodney. Study. Republican control of state government is bad for democracy. I've been saying that Republicans have no policy positions with supermajority polling support. So they have to chart to win, cheat to win. Gerrymandering and voter suppression is the GOP's last stand. Results suggest a minimal role for all factors except Republican control of state government, which dramatically reduces states' democratic performance during this period. University of Washington Professor Jake Grumbach. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that. Thank you for bringing that up before we move on. And then, Kathy, I'm going to come to you. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Here's the deal. First of all, you're correct. Republicans have... No answers because of who they decided was going to be their base. And by base, I'm not talking about my Republican brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the evil side of the corporatocracy. Uh, and when we realize that, right, people, you know, you ask people what they want, and you notice that the things that they want are progressive. If you ask them point after point what they want, they want things that promotes progressive values. They want to have good health care. They want to have people pick up, the, I mean, have kids with good home care. I mean, they want the things that we all want. It's sensible. It makes sense. If they, For those who have been honored to travel to, let's say, a, uh, a France or, or some other places where social services are really, really fairly complete, specifically in the Scandinavian countries, people see that and said, my God, if I had those kinds of services, I could actually start my own business. I could, also, I could do so many things if that were true. But it's not. And because it is not, Republicans have to, I mean, they, they can do nothing other than having minority rule for the way they get things done. Um, I wish I wish more people understood in detail what is actually going on in this country. Uh, the Constitution, first of all, and, I, I, and I'm coming to the, all the statements that you guys are making, but it's important here. The Constitution was never a democratic document. You know, we've been, you know, in, in the book that I'm writing, one of the things that I've said is we have been indoctrinated into certain beliefs and, you know, we keep repeating them and by repeating them, we believe it is true. From Jamestown, James, when Jamestown was founded in 1607, all the way to when the pilgrims got here, there, were, there was never, ever a group of folks who really wanted true democracy. The Constitution was written to maintain those who already had power in power. And it was written in such a manner that it would be hard 
to take away power from those in power. Henceforth, two senators per state, even as the, uh, the, the House was done on a proportional basis, but even with the House on a proportional basis, people who looked like me got counted as three-fifths of a person. There are reasons for this, folks. We were never a democracy. We have been trying to attain a democracy for decades now, for centuries. We finally got the vote for women. We finally got the vote for uh, black people. We finally got the vote for, for people of color. All those things were fought for in spite of how the Constitution was written. The great thing about our Constitution is that elastic clause that allowed it to be modified. The amendments. If the Constitution was so damn good, you would not have needed all those amendments to constantly give people more rights. When we are honest about what we have, these things that constantly happen no longer puts us into a ball of, oh, what? look at what's happening. Understand it was written that way and understand that activism is what it's going to take to make the change. And Republicans right now, because of who their masters are, they have to use all the rules within the Constitution, and much of what they're using is constitutional. Even what they did in Georgia was constitutional. There was nothing unconstitutional with what they did in Georgia, especially after Section 5 of the Voter Rights Act was removed or was made nil. So it's, you know, it's constitutional. So let's, let's remember that and remember what it takes. to rem- A democracy is hard to maintain when there is an imbalance in power. In other words, when you depend, when the masses depend on the benevolence of a few, it's hard for a democracy to flourish unless the masses remind the, 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 those that are up top that have that if the masses strike, they have nothing. There are more in the masses than there are of them. them. What I always talk about is once, one of these days, we will assert our worth. And in fact, there's a chapter in the book called Assert Your Worth. Anyhow, Bridge MCP, hey. Uh, Kathy C. Courtney, my good friend, says, trying not to screen or cry. Plumbers text me back and give me hope and BS. Too much BS everywhere. I don't know what you're talking about, Kathy. So what I just did, panic. Rooms, birth certificates, and birth of GOP paranoia. Uh, let's see, what is this all about? Oh, you're talking about Boner's Bur- book. Boner book. I got you. I got you. And uh, look, it's amazing, but don't scream. We just have to activate. Don't scream, Kathy. Don't scream. Bridge MCP, I get it. Deborah John. LA in the house. Welcome, Deborah Paul Fleming. ATL in the house. Michael Rudnan has another prose. He says, Egberto, I think this is related. Allergic reaction to U.S. religious right. Fueling decline of religion, experts say. Just 47% of the U.S. populations are members of a church, mosque, or synagogue, according to survey by Gallup, down from 70% two decades ago. In part, a result of millennials turning away from religion, but also experts say a reaction to the swirling mix of right-wing politics and Christianity pursued by the Republican Party. Well, if you are watching what, Christi- what, peop- what, what Americans are doing in the name of Christianity, wouldn't you run away from the party, w- run away from what is deemed to be Christianity? 
The people have done the, the least harm to me thus far have been those who are not specifically related to any religion. And there's a reason why, but we, that's for another subject. Tech 77, welcome aboard. Hello, Linda Joe Kissinger. Welcome to the show. Bridge MCP says, hey, Linda Kissinger. Egberto, I think that the Constitution is primarily a property document. Exactly. Uh, John, um, my good friend, John, uh, what is his name? He, uh, we, we, we did a documentary together, and we, we actually spoke about the Constitution being a property document. So um, I, I, I think you, you hit that on the nail, my brother. You hit that on the nail. Um, but here's, here's the deal. What we have to do more than anything else is to be able to talk to Americans about this without going into their patriotic sensibilities. Because a lot of people think if you talk against the Constitution, if you talk against the founding fathers, that somehow you are un-American. But that's not the case. We are very American into saying we want to make this a better country. And what the, what the founders did, the founders did what they did to protect those who founded the country. That's what it is. And they, they put a little bit of morality in it, but not very much. Not very much. The Bill of Rights came later, exactly. When, well, many, they wouldn't have approved the Constitution and become, if, if the Bill of Rights wasn't entered. That was one of the things, if I remember correctly. Michael Rene, I also think that arc of history is the path towards more equity. I agree. Linda Josenberg. Okay, Bridge says, I think the Constitution was for property owners and wealthy as well, Michael. Even the Bill of Rights needs updating or enforced. Yeah, only property owners at one time could vote. You know, a lot of Americans don't know that. They sit down and they say, oh, glory, glory, hallelujah, we are the best democracy in the world. Our Constitution was so flawed, it ain't funny. For somebody like me, just saying I was three-fifths of a person in counting, that's enough. But if that's not enough for you, why did it take several hundred years for women to vote? Or or, or over a hundred years for women to earn the right to vote? So no, it was never a democracy. And it's still not a democracy. The fact that we've elected Donald Trump and George W. Bush as presidents with less less than the majority population says much. It's not a democracy. Wake up, let's get to it, and let's eventually make it a democracy. Eric Hayes says, as of 2020, over half of the members of Congress were millionaires, and the median net worth of members was approximately $1 million. The original documents for each member's disclosure are publicly available on a database website maintained by the Center for Positive Politics. We all know that, sir. Thank you so kindly for letting people know exactly where they can find that. Actually, when you put stuff like that, follow the um, Brother Rudnins. If you have a link, and throw it in there to help our brothers and sisters out so that they don't have to go first search for Center for Responsive Politics. Tell them the link you're specifying, please, my dear brother. Uh, Meaning the people who run the country want to keep that power too. Of course. Of course. Carl Cox, progressive liberals are the true patriots of America, not conservatives. Of course, because we support the people. We want what's best for the people, not what's best for those with power. He hit it on the nail, Carl Cox. Okay, so how can the rich people who run the country even know the true pulse of the people? We need to clean house. Yeah, but you're not willing to clean house. You're not willing to clean house. You say, we hear people say that all the time, but they keep their congressperson. How could we in District 2 continue to elect our, uh, our guy? What's our guy's name? You know, sometimes my mind goes blank when I'm doing these shows. Uh, but anyway, how can we continue to... 
uh, elect my representative. Think about it. Uh, Texas District 2, right? Texas District 2. I forgot the name. Uh, District 2 is run by whom? Uh, Texas District 2. Well, thank you. Both sides. Term limits. No, term limits is undemocratic. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people here support term limits. I don't. I think it's undemocratic. I think uh, there are some people that I love in Congress that I think uh, are downright. Somebody like Bernie Sanders. I don't want term limits for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has experience and Bernie Sanders has the right type of politics. And there's nothing in the Constitution or anywhere that says there can't be career politicians. I don't have a problem with career politicians at all. Dan, Dan Crenshaw, thank you very much, John Carter. Thank you very much. Jessica Taylor, we need to vote in all elections, not just big elections. Exactly. And don't forget, those of you that are in Texas, I think it's uh, May 1st, we elect school boards in this area. Humble ISD, if I recall correctly. So please remember to vote. Get ready to vote. Uh, who else is here? Let's see. Bridge says it was a, it was the same in Northern Ireland. Only property owners could vote. Hence, why you see Ireland with land with the walls as they split sun so they could vote. It's amazing. You know, everybody's sitting down thinking, "Oh, we have you know pat ourselves on the back." We look at a country like Panama, where I'm originally from. Oh, those people, those people. Well, you know what? We get one person, one vote. We elect the president. Here in America, we don't. Uh, Michael Rudnan, 22nd Amendment. The amendment was passed by the Congress in 1947 and was ratified by the states on the 27th of February 1951. The 22nd Amendment says a person can only be elected to be president two times for a total of eight years. It does make it possible for a person to serve up to 10 years as president only if and only if they take over uh, during a previous, um, a previous administration, like if the, if the guy dies or something and they take over, then they can run two times. Okay, but the truth of the matter is I am not for that. I'm for a president should be able to run as long as they want as well. But it's constitutional now. Thank you very much for that wiki there, Eric Hayes. Okay, what is the show going to be about? Let's go ahead and talk about the show. The show is titled today. Let me put it on screen. Uh, let's see. Get it on screen. The show today is titled Infrastructure Bill Complaining Republicans Lie. Roland Martin slams evangelicals. And we have a little bit to talk about the minimum wage to show you the hypocrisy of the minimum wage. It's an important topic I need to talk to you about. I hope you stick around for that. A lot of you come and go, come and go, come and go. That's fine because you share and share and share and share. But let's get busy. Let's get our first video and then we move on from there. I was very disappointed in the, the way uh, Jake Tapper handled uh, Governor Tate uh, Reeves of Mississippi. I mean, this guy made, if you take a listen to what he had to say about infrastructure, he made a mockery out of truth and he made a mockery out of making sense. And Jake Tapper just let it go. Let me give you a chance to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. 
Let's turn to President Biden's new infrastructure bill. The American Society of Civil Engineers gives your state a D minus for your roads and bridges. Almost one in 10 bridges in Mississippi are structurally deficient. The number of roads in poor condition is double the national average. A winter storm just knocked out water in your state capital for weeks. This legislation would commit more than $100 billion to fix roads and bridges. Could Mississippi use the help? Well, there's no doubt that Mississippi could use our fair share of $100 billion. The the problem with this particular plan, though, is although the Biden administration is calling it an infrastructure plan, it looks more like a $2 trillion tax hike plan to me. That's going to lead to significant challenges in our economy. It's going to lead to a slowing GDP, and it's going to, lose to, uh, it's going to lead to Americans losing significant numbers of jobs. Infrastructure, Jake, is an area where Republicans and Democrats ought to be able to come together and do something good for the country. But as you mentioned, this plan spends $110 billion on roads and bridges and spends more than that on the combination of Amtrak and public transit. And what's even worse, it spends $100 billion on clean water, which Mississippi could certainly use, but it spends more than that on subsidizing electric vehicles. $155 billion to subsidize electric vehicles. That is a political statement. It's not an, an, a statement on trying to improve our infrastructure in America. At that point, Jake simply went on and asked, how do you pay for it? Now, he made some very distinct statements that made absolutely no sense. First of all, his state, his state is in dire straits. Jackson, Mississippi. These folks stayed without water after the freeze for over a month. Their, their water system is dilapidated, old, outdated. It needs new coverage. And then he says, he spends $100 billion on clean water. So what is it that you want your folks to drink? polluted water uh, and then continuing on that he goes ahead and he says he spent a lot of money on electronic vehicles isn't e uh, charging stations for electronic vehicles isn't that considered infrastructure he goes and he said oh and this is going to cost jobs in the long run that is the biggest lie that needs to be mitigated right away as soon as you start building and creating these are Millions of jobs, retrofitting pipes, lead pipes, are going ahead and building new roads and bridges and upgrading airports, installing all these electrical vehicle charging stations. There are lots of jobs getting created. So we have to first nip in the butt that somehow increasing taxes on the wealthy who are not circulating that money to pay for this is going to somehow cause jobs to be lost. We have to hit that up immediately. We also have to hit up the irresponsibility of those that are going against this policy for upgrading our infrastructure. Rural areas don't have good internet. Broadband, very bad broadband. This bill, he complains about the amount of money invested in things that are not infrastructure. In today's economy, broadband is infrastructure. And one of the things that we don't hear these hosts talking about is, well, in the 50s, you talk a whole lot about infrastructure being roads, bridges, and pipes. In the 21st century, you have to talk about broadband. You have to talk about electrical charging stations. Remember, there are millions of thousands of gas, hundreds of thousands of gas stations all over the country. Those have to get retrofitted with being able to charge uh, electric cars as well. Come on. We have to have a media that is engaging, a media that does not allow Republicans to come on TV, lie and misrepresent to people and their own people as well. 
we have to protect their own people from allowing them to fool them into making the wrong choices. Rural areas, this bill means more to you than anyone else. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. And you know, uh, that thing about jobs, we have to nip that thing quickly. Because this stuff about, oh, if you tax those corporations, if you tax those wealthy people, somehow they're going to take their money somewhere else and they're going to cause us to lose jobs. Let's, Let's first break something down. Increasing taxes does not cost jobs. If I am a if I own a factory, whether taxes are high or low, I am only going to hire the people I need. No more, no less. If I hire more people than I need because taxes are low, based on the capitalist mantra, I'm being inefficient. So irrespective of tax rates, I will always only hire the people that I need. So that is a big lie and a big misconception that many have. But secondly, when rich people hoard money, this is important, I have this in my new book as well. When rich people hoard money, that money stays in the bank. They talk about, well, the rich is going to invest that money. Well, the rich got a big tax cut. And what they did is they did invest that money. They honestly, genuinely did invest that money. They didn't lie. They invested it in themselves. Stock buybacks meant the stock market got uh, went up much higher because less stocks outstanding, price of stock goes up, and that person who owns the stock, which generally we know that uh, about 90% of the stocks owned by 20% of the people, so yeah, they protect they they are protected, they're very well protected. But if you if you tax the rich and make sure you have policies that build things for the middle class, build roads that employ people, uh, create charging stations to get the electric industry of electric car industry mobilized, because you know it's which comes first, the chicken or the egg. You can't ask GM. A private company, oh, go ahead and build, unless America start building cars as a country first, right? Meaning government build cars. But we don't want to do that, right? So if we want to give an incentive for the private sector to start building cars, we got to start throwing charging stations all over the place so that people will want to buy the cars that they have to sell. So the government is going to invest in you so that other people will build the things that you need. It's simple. But Remember, Republicans go under the Republican leadership. I don't, I want to, anytime I say Republican, I mean Republican leadership. Republicans are my brothers and sisters. When I say Republican, I mean Republican leadership. Uh, Eric Hayes asked a very important question So, can the poor get electric vehicles? Okay, can the poor now get gas vehicles? If they can get gas vehicles, they can get electric vehicles. Because the next item that we would want to make sure and ensure is that we subsidize electric vehicles as we change. And if you say, wait a minute, why are you going to subsidize that? We want to subsidize for a better environment. We want to subsidize to give, we want to give it a catalyst. You know, people like to say like the market knows best. That's crap. Capitalism is a failure for a reason. 
the fallacy that the market knows best is the biggest fallacy there is. If the market really knew best, we would not have created the environment that we have. If the market knew best, we would not have polluted, cut down mountains and allow that ash and those, that stuff to get into ponds and kill people. Because if the market knows best, the market should know that what we would do is if we applied the cost of what the market has placed on the environment to the products they sell, it would not be marketable. We don't have a real market. We have a fall, a flawed market because the real market does not work. And, you know, it's, it's hard to explain that to people who've been indoctrinated. And I try to remove some of that indoctrination in my new book. But, you know, everybody said, let the market di- di- dictate. The market doesn't know diddly squat. It knows nothing. The market is the market is how much profit can I make? And what do I need to do to maximize my profit? That is what drives capitalism. I want you guys to understand that. What drives capitalism is profit-based shareholder maximization. How the hell does that make a market that is for people? The design of the system already says that you have no value. Because the ultimate goal, and in the book, I, I went ahead and put what Milton Friedman said. When, when people started to talk about uh, companies should, should become socially conscious, the, 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 the son of capitalism, Milton Friedman, come out and say, hell no. The only job that the executive in the corporation is supposed to do is ensure to gain maximal profit for the shareholders. That's their only responsibility. And you know what? If you look at our environment, if you look at the people that's been killed from bad products, if you look at all these things that corporations have done, they've been successful. They've maximized the profits for the elite on your back. They paid you very little money that you have to that many of our brothers and sisters have to be on welfare, which means those of us who make a little bit more can support them. Their tax cuts go to those same guys. Look, it's a sham. It's a racket. It has always been. It has always been a racket with a hell of a marketing agency. So you market it great. Oh, the market will decide. What damn market? How does the market know that if I dump CO2 elsewhere, it's going to harm people when I'm making a good profit and nobody is listening? And I don't have a government telling me you can't dump that CO2. Externality, exactly. If we started to put externalities onto capitalism, there's a hell of a lot of stuff we wouldn't have, Mike. That's why corporations spend millions fighting unionization. Exactly right, Brother Cutter. Exactly right. Okay, we're at halfway. I have two more videos, but before that, I have to go ahead and do my little ass here. Folks, if you are on YouTube, please consider clicking on that join button. Become a member. Uh, That is how we can continue doing what we're doing. So I ask you so kindly. It's inexpensive, and our good old uh, good old job that we do here is so important. Bridge MCP, our resident, our resident leader of the PDR 
Posse made this cup for us. By the way, you see that cup on the screen. And you'll see a few people who've gotten the cup. If you got the cup, send me a picture, please. I sold quite a few of those, but I need pictures. Only a few of you sent me pictures so far. I want your pictures to put on this little scroll that I do here. But if you want to join the PDR Posse, please go ahead and click that Join button. on. As you see, I've been doing over the weeks. Anytime somebody joins live on air, I cut out that square box and I put their name on the screen. So if you go ahead and join right now with the PDR Posse, I'll put your name. Now, if you are not seeing, if you are not seeing that PDR Posse thing right now, I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Here we go. Just go ahead and click politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. That is the way that you can get it. If you are on, on Facebook Live, if you're on Twitch or wherever, go to, go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube to go ahead and sign up for our PDR Posse. If you do it right now, I'll show, you your, I'll show that thing on the screen right now. You can also support us via Patreon. And I, I'm really, I, I really need support on Patreon. So if you will... Please check out this link, politicsandright.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsandright.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Supporting us there as well would be very helpful. And if you want to contribute to what we're doing, please go to politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. We can't do this without you. It's a lot of work, enjoyable work for me because I love doing this. I love making sure that we are informed. So it's great work. I enjoy it. It's 16 hours a day, but it's 16 hours of enjoyable work knowing that we are making a difference. And notice I say we, because everything I do is financed by you guys. So everything that we do is important and helps move the ball forward. Now, uh, here is the, the second deal. Uh, you can, if that book that you see on the screen uh, please consider getting that book. You can get that book at Amazon. Here is the link for the book at Amazon. I know my wife says the 16 hours is madness too. You know, the other day she forced me to stop working for uh, three hours. She forced me in front of the television and said, you're going to sit down and watch. Uh, I think it was the... Um, it was a, a, one of the chapters of the Aretha Franklin series. She said, you are going to watch this with me now. And when your wife says that with that kind of resolve, you say, okay. So I went ahead and watched it. But of course, I took my, my PC with me. And while I'm watching, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of uh, blogging at the same time. She, she, she allowed that. She allowed that. No, Bridge, even Easter at work, baby. Even Easter at work. But anyhow, folks, uh, you get that. I put the link to the book on the screen. How it's worth it, how to talk to your right wing relatives, friends, and neighbors. But if you want to get rid of the middle person, go ahead and get politicsandright.com slash store. Get it at politicsandright.com slash store. And by the way, if you get it at the store, I'll send you a bumper sticker and I'll sign the book myself. Uh, so, you know, you can, you can just consider doing that as well. Uh, the Aretha Genius was insightful. Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch all of them, but my wife told me how it ended. And, you know, uh, some people were disappointed because it kind of, you know, everybody's life. Nobody has the perfect life, right? And a lot of people were disappointed because the icon that they think or that, that they, they lost, I think they lost a sense of purity or something like that in, in the way they've envisioned her. But again, we all have our ups and downs or bads or goods, all that good stuff. Anyhow, so folks, please, again, consider supporting us. Okay, I got another video that I need to show you guys. And it goes like this. It's, the, it's a Chuck Todd yesterday. I was happy with Chuck Todd yesterday. I think he did an important thing. And I want Eric Hayes, my brother. 
Watch this one in detail, okay? This one is, uh, this one I want you to watch in detail as well. Let's just give some kudos where it's due. Chuck Todd finally challenged Republican policies with a Republican senator. And he, I mean, he didn't do it as tough as I would, but he did a good job. Check, uh, check this out and then let's take it. How can the president expect to have bipartisanship when his proposal is a repeal of one of our signature issues in 2017, where we cut the tax rate and made the United States finally more competitive when it comes to the way we treat job creators? He reverses all that. And I'll tell you what, he says no one will pay extra taxes if they make less than $400,000 a year. That may be true. Under this tax increase bill, a lot of people making $100,000 and $50,000 that are going to lose their jobs because of the extra burden this plan would put on job creators. Well, look, I, what, what they're talking about, though, is finding a middle ground to be between where the corporate tax rate was in 2017 and what the corporate tax rate is today. From They would like to move it to 28%. This tax cut that you guys put through in 2017, there were various promises that were made that they would pay for themselves. Hasn't come close to that. That it was going to produce 4 or 5 or 6% growth. We didn't even get 3% growth. At one point, former President Trump said, this thing's going to pay off the debt like it's water. Well, as you know, the debt is way up. So you look at this tax cut proposal, most of the benefits seem to go to stockholders. Corporations didn't do what they were going to do, which is take this savings and invest. They instead did stock buyback. So wasn't this tax cut kind of an economic failure? No, it, it wasn't at all. And until the pandemic hit in March of 2020, the, the tax cuts were working. The fact that we had lowered the tax burden mm -hmm. on job creators, particularly small business, which is the great job engine in the United States of America, uh, was working fine. Now, some of these uh, predictions that you mentioned, uh, I never participated in that. I understand. How would you pay for infrastructure? Where would you get the money? Well, I, listen, I'm, I'm open to suggestion about that, but I have two bipartisan bills that I've introduced. I, uh, Senator Stabenow right. is, is on an advanced Right, I understand. I'm investing in municipal bill. bonds, right? So and, basically and, debt uh, financing. I'm absolutely up to looking at ways that, for example, mm -hmm. use uh, private uh, public partnerships and things of that nature. But the very worst way to finance this is to put a major tax burden on small businesses that create the jobs in the United States of America. You know, let's not conflate. Should the big businesses that benefit from smooth running roads and and really good ports and airports that will improve delivery mechanisms contribute something to our infrastructure. You got a whole bunch of companies that pay zip into the federal government coffers. I'm all for looking at, at ways that states like our neighboring state of Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, they've all found a fair way that the public will go for to pay for roads and bridges. But uh, when you talk about big businesses um, and, and you're saying we should raise their tax rate from 21% corporate rate to 28%, let me just tell you, that's going to cut job creation in the United States of America. And it's the mm -hmm. very reason we lowered those tax rates right. um, in 2017. It's a plan that worked. Right. And if the president wants a buy plan. How can he possibly um, try to get something passed right. that every single, that repeals a bill that every single Republican in the Senate voted for in 2017? Did you guys blow it? You had four years to do an infrastructure bill. You had the presidency, you had the Senate and the House for a bit. Did you blow it? No. As a matter of fact, we passed infrastructure bills on two occasions. But uh, yes, I, I, 
I would love to have passed a larger um, infrastructure bill, and I certainly hope we can do that, but I don't want to do it by raising taxes and, right. and cutting jobs for Americans. Now, let me first get one thing out of the way. A dollar knows from whence it is spent. In other words, if a corporation spent a dollar to hire somebody or buy something or the government spends a dollar to buy something, hire somebody or hire a company who hires somebody, the, 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 a dollar does not know from where it is spent. So the lie that Republicans always want to give tax cuts to companies so that they can decide uh, and they can spend the money somehow more efficiently to create jobs it's a lie that needs to be dispelled. Now, Chuck Todd did something there. I don't even know if he knew he did it. But when he said, listen, uh, your tax cut failed. You said it was going to reduce the deficit. It did not. You said it was going to create real a whole bunch of jobs. It did not. You said it was going to, uh, their, the, the companies would use this tax cut to invest. It did not. They did not do it. And therefore, as such... Why not take that money back that didn't get spent the way corporations made you believe, the way uh, the Republicans told you the corporations were going to spend it to invest in America? Why not take that money back and let's make sure and really invest in America? And when they talk about jobs being lost, it's a lie. Remember, infrastructure bill means that you are going to be creating more jobs to build roads, to be, to take care of, uh, of the elderly. To, there's a whole lot of stuff in that infrastructure bill to create more jobs and jobs within the fifty dollars and $100,000 range that he claims that that Senator Wicker claim would be lost. So uh, remember the realities. Remember the truth. That uh, it's been said, uh, proven by Wall Street firms, of course, we don't like them, but they, they have good data, that said 2.3 million jobs created in two years by this particular infrastructure bill. And how do, given that Republicans don't like to tax they, when asked, how are you going to pay for this? Oh, we are going to set, create bonds. Think about it. Bonds is just another form of saying debt. They, in other words, they want to take money from other people, borrow money from whoever can, they can borrow from, generally wealthy people, to build roads that the wealthy people's corporations are going to use, smooth roads for those corporations to use, and then pay those corporations' interest the debt you borrowed to make roads good for them. It is always every transaction Republicans want to create must create a net positive gain to the wealthy and to the corporations. Understand the psychology of how these people operate. It is essential that we do. This infrastructure bill, first of all, is not as big as it should be. The tax increase on corporations is not as big as it should be. The reality is if you give monies to the people who are more likely to spend it, you get a bigger economy. What they don't want, they don't want a very vibrant economy where the workers have power to demand higher salaries. So if they keep the work, the workforce fairly scared, wanting 
needing and scared that they may lose their jobs, then they have pricing power. But if we have a lot of jobs available for people to do, the workers have pricing power. And that is what business does not want. That is what, who Republicans are protecting. They are not protecting their constituents. They are protecting only the wealthy and the corporations. Remember that. And any Democrat not supporting these types of bills, that is their master as well. Absolutely so. Now, now here's another interesting thing, right? We always talk about taxes and jobs. I want to show you guys something that is quite interesting, okay? I'm going to put it up on the screen right now because I found it while I was doing some research. Which president created the most jobs? You know, everybody always liked to sing the glory, glory, hallelujah about the, 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 the Reagan revolution and how many jobs he created, etc., etc., etc. It's the biggest fraud. Look, if we look at job creation, 93 to 2001, under the Clinton years, 18.6 million people got jobs. What did he do again? He raised taxes. Is it some sort of a miracle why those jobs got created? No. And I explained this in my first book, as I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. Why did he gain that many people? Because of the tax increase. How can a tax increase give more jobs? Because... If you put money into the hands of those who will spend it, you get a more vibrant economy. You get a vibrant economy for people spending money. If you keep uh, tax rates low, those people who continue to extract out of the economy, they do, they do nothing for your current economy. They are just hoarding money without circulation. Eso es número uno. Then they say, then second, the second president, the second highest president in, is, is, uh, is Ronald Reagan, a distant second at that. More than a million and change, less than, two million less than Clinton, okay? Why? Well, you know, people say, but oh, so, but even so, Ronald Reagan had a good, good, good uh, policies. No. What did Ronald Reagan do? Ronald Reagan used voodoo economics. I explained in my book, Ronald Reagan used reverse Keynesian. What that means is as follows. What he did, oh, by the way, and, and, that, by the way, and Clinton also bu uh, balanced the budget. Clinton balanced the budget, raised taxes, all of that. And as soon as Bush number two came, he gave a tax cut again, the deficit went south. Let's, let's learn reality. The only president in recent times that ever submitted a balanced budget that actually stuck was Clinton. Okay, nobody talks about it because everybody thinks about him below the waist. But Clinton actually, and by the way, I'm not even a Clinton fan. I think he was too conservative to tell you the truth. But anyhow, if you take a look now at, uh, at, at Reagan, Reagan got 16.2. If you say, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. That was only $2 million away from Clinton, and they both served eight years. To which I then answer, yeah, but he used Keynesian economics. How did he do that? He deficit spend out the gazoo. So while he was cutting taxes, he didn't stop spending money. He increased the, the, the defense budget. He increased entitlements. And after he, after he went ahead and cut taxes by a bunch, guess what the man had to do? Raise taxes. Don't, you didn't know that, did you? Many folks don't understand that. They didn't realize that. And of course, Bush number two, which he did the right thing as well, Raise taxes because I always, in my book, the, the first one, I didn't only give Clinton credit for that great job creation. I also gave uh, Bush number two, I mean Bush number one, the daddy, credit for breaking his promise about no new taxes. Because that is what I think helped Clinton 
uh, with the, you know, uh, Bush started that stuff about taking some of that money, putting some of that money back into the economy. And Clinton, of course, got zero Republican votes in the, Cong- in, in the House to pass his tax increase that then his economy went soaring. So let's remember the truth. And then, of course, Franklin D. Roosevelt came in third. And then we had Jimmy Carter with 9.8 million, Richard Nixon 9.4, Obama 8.9, Lyndon Johnson 8.6, uh, Harry Truman 7, George W. Bush 5.7, Dwight Eisenhower 4.8, and of course, Donald Trump lost jobs. So the truth of the matter is, if you take a look at those jobs numbers, you can see that the big numbers for jobs came from Democratic policies. We also showed where the economies always do better. Wall Street always do better. Growth and economy always do better under Democratic presidents. And there are reasons for that. It's not magic. It's not that these guys are great guys. It's just that when you have policies that put more money in the hands of the common man, the common man spends. And when the common man spends, he buys more bread. When he buys more bread, the baker bakes more. When the baker bakes more, he buys more ovens. When he buys more ovens, the big corporations that create the ovens make more money. The big corporations that generate the extra electricity makes the money. Why did he lose jobs? No, he didn't lose jobs because of the pandemic. We were about to go. Look, the pandemic saved, the pandemic gave Trump an excuse. I explained in many shows before what was going on in the repo market. Our economy was about to crash. It's right now living on. We are we are throwing money at the repo market right now. In other words, there's a whole lot of money being thrown out there, not to us, the people, but to the bankers who are being made whole. You don't know that, right? And you know why you don't know that? Because the mainstream media is not going to tell you that. I've had shows about that before where we show that the repo market was telling a story that we were about to go into a cataclysmic crash. In fact, today, I got an email that said uh, that started to speak about how Morgan, uh, uh, what is the name of the company? Morgan is, is over, 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 um, Morgan is over, overextended again with derivatives. I don't know lots of numbers, we, but, you know, uh, by the way, if, if, that, if you're trying to be sarcastic about that, Eric Hayes, the statements that I made had very little to do with me coming up with the statements. It's other people's stuff that I read who have experience. So no, it's not about... my Lotto is chance. Lotto is gambling. Facts are the things that we talk about here. We don't gamble. So when somebody tells me that the repo market is going haywire and the government is populating the repo market, I listen. When people tell me that uh, And when I say people, I mean people of repute, people that you can respect, people that have the numbers behind them. When they tell you those things, you listen to those people. In other words, we, are, we don't try to create, we don't try to invent, we simply tell the truth. Nothing more but the truth. Okay, let's go ahead and do our, uh, I think I'm done with this segment, but anyway, so as you can see, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, used a whole lot of Keynesian economics for his millions, but he didn't tell you that because he did it in a reverse way. All he did was deficit spend. While uh, d- d- done the right way was how Clinton did it, which was to increase taxes to pay for the things we want and make sure that money went into the hands of a lot of people. That's how it is done. Uh, re- <laughs> repo is not about bankruptcy. That you're, ta- you're talking about something completely different. Repo is actually the market where 
uh, every night, at the end of every night, the banks have to close their books. And because they may have loaned more money than they had in their, in their coffers, they have to borrow on the repo market. So they go ahead and they borrow. But what happened is the interest rate that they normally pay, 0.5%, 1% or whatever, had gone all the way up to 9%. That would have crashed the bankers immediately. So what happened is the government, the, the treasury, or, or, or the, 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 uh, the reserve, started to lend them money at the, at the under market rates. Everybody like to talk about the market. They loaned them the money under market rates to close their day. But for the people who are watching that, they're sitting back down and saying, wait a minute, why is the repo market, why is that happening in the repo market? Why is that happening in the repo market? But anyhow, let me show you that video now, folks, and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. By now, everybody know the Matt Getz story. That is the obnoxious Republican 38-year-old who constantly, uh, QAnon-type guy, uh, insurrectionist-type uh, congressman, who always was on the attack, always attacking others, always put down the guy running for governor in Florida. I mean, he attacked folks on their morality, he attacked folks on just about everything you can think of. Well, now we all know that it turns out there's a good possibility that he's been hanging with 17-year-olds and hanging with our sex, etc. But you know what? It's quite uh, interesting, the silence on the right. I mean, no one wants to talk as they should. And the person that got it best on the cross connection, Roland Martin. I want you to check out what he had to say. Then let's take it on the other side. Let's just go to church. Where you at, Robert Jeffers? Where you at, Ralph Reed? Where are you, Franklin Graham? Mm. Where are you, Paula White? Where are all of you white conservative evangelicals who love talking about morality and principles and family and values? How are you saying nothing? Y'all were all running your mouths when Congressman John Conyers, the late congressman, was accused of sexual harassment. You were running your mouths when uh, Serena Al Franken was accused of the same thing. But now all of a sudden you're quiet. Now CNN is reporting that Matt Gates was showing nude photos and videos of women he allegedly slept with to other House members. Where are you? See, this shows the hypocrisy of these white conservative evangelicals and also the black conservative evangelicals who stand with them. This shows how foul and fake they are. If Keenan Ivory Wayans and Jada Pinkett Smith did a sequel to a low-down, dirty, shame documentary on today's Republican Party, they say nothing with one of their members. And Fox News for three days hadn't said a word until Brett Baer reported on it last night. Oh, but you had Matt Gates on nearly 20 times in the month of March. This shows you how fake and how much of a joke they are when it comes to family values. You are not the party of family values. You are not the party of the working class. You are silent and quiet, and that's why I will never again. They can say they can't say anything about any future Democrat or anybody else because of their shameful behavior. They're fake Christians. But it's deeper than that. Uh, when when you see that the evangelicals are against every progressive idea that helps humanity, that helps people. It tells you really what a fake that completely is. The evangelical movement, the leaders of the evangelical movement. I, I really have a soft spot 
for all the followers. I really have a, a soft spot for those who fall into the trap of fo following these heathens. But let me tell you, Americans are waking up. Roland Martin hits it on the head. Great job on the cross connection. Tiffany has been putting some great pieces on her show. For those of you uh, not watching Tiffany Cross on Saturdays, watch her. I, I, you know, I, I really like her because uh, she's like a no holds barred, no, you know, kind of a person on TV. Um, I, I like both her and Joanne Reed. They do a good job. I generally don't watch the Roland Martin show because it kind of conflicts with when I'm doing other stuff. But um, apparently he's doing some good work as well. Um, I, I, after I saw him on, I went ahead and looked at a few of his cuts, and he does some, some good work. So we have a lot of good people out there uh, working, working very hard. And then, of course, there's my friend who has his show, I think, every day in the mornings. I think here in Central Time, it would be around 8 o'clock. The Ben Dixon Show, uh, uh, Benjamin Dixon Show. Check that out sometimes, too. It's a wonderful program. And, and of course, you know I love TYT and I love all the, the, these other. What I'm trying to get you to is uh, independent programs and programs that actually tell you stuff that's not just towing the corporate line. Uh, so please go ahead and consider Nancy from Nancy. Okay, let's go ahead and... And, and salute all my wonderful people out here. Michael Rodman, welcome aboard. AVQ, Bridge MCP, Kathy C. Courtney, love you, girl. Deborah John, welcome from LA, beautiful. Paul Fleming, Mr. Handsome from ATL. How you doing, my dear brother? Uh, let's see. Linda Joe Kessinger, welcome aboard. Tech 777, welcome aboard. Uh, para ver, Linda Joe, I got you. Eric Hayes, my brother, my conservative brother. We're going for coffee sometime next week, brother. Uh, let's see who else is here. Carl Cox, welcome aboard. Progressive liberals are the true patriots, absolutely so. Uh, let's see who else is here. John Cotter, el, el piloto, the guy that flies those big planes. Man, you know, the, the, this guy got it, got, got it down. And the, one of the number one activists. In, uh, in this part of Texas, guys. Jessica Taylor, welcome aboard. Uh, uh, let's see uh, who else is here. Uh, para ver quién más está aquí. Mark Smith está de the UK from England. Welcome aboard. Lawrence Sims, how you doing, my brother? Lawrence, that had to score me up a few days ago. Thank you, brothers. I, that's why I love you guys. You guys, you guys listen. If, you, if you're scoring me up, it means you're listening. If I screw up and you catch me, it means you're listening. Thank you so kindly, brothers. Uh, Paul Fleming Sr., well, so thank you guys. Let's see who else is here. Who else is here? Who else is here? Uh, para ver, para ver, estoy Carl Cox. I think I got you already. Wendy Green, American journalists are doormats. Oh, not all of them. I consider myself a journalist now, and I don't. I try not to be a doormat. Help me, Wendy. Help me, Wendy. Okay, let's see who else is here. Who else? Charlie Lindahl, another hell of an activist here in town. We got to go for some coffee as well, Charlie. Man, I got a bunch of local coffees to go to. I'm off to spread these out so I can still get my work done. But you know, I love you guys, and we got to go ahead and get some flesh, some hugs, those of us that are vaccinated, all that good stuff. Let's see who else is here. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. ¿Quién más está aquí? Jessica, I think I got Jessica Taylor already. I'm scrolling down. If you want me to call you out, please throw your name up in there. Uh, let's see who else is here. Who else is here? I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. Okay. Uh, okay. I know I saw somebody else jump to the bottom there, but I can't find them. Uh, John, John Carter says, 
Chuck Todd is normally a diss rag. He actually challenged a little that time. He sure did, John. That's the reason I wrote it up. And I, when I put it on Daily Coast, they gave me hell. Why are you putting him here? He's always, he's just doing his job. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's give him kudos when he does his job. Maybe it encourages him to do it some more. Eric, increases in taxes, will, and is already making things more expensive, which is a trade-off. Uh, the increase in tax, oh, you know what? I didn't show you guys. I'm going to go over by a minute. I need to show you all this badly because I want to refute what brother Eric just said. Check this out. McDonald's other, oh, I need to put it on screen. McDonald's other CEOs tell investors $15 minimum wage won't hurt business. Just as well, increase in taxes won't hurt businesses as you think. The marginal increase in the price of a product is very little. It hurts them more on the profit side, their personal side, than it does on the marginal increase on the product. And we can go through the math on that some other time. Uh, but right now, we don't have the time to do that. All right. Let's see who else is here. I think I called out Carl Cox. Eric Hayes, taxing the rich and their corporations to help the middle class and the poor would work. And yes, it's a smart idea. Exactly. It has to do with circulation of money. You won't balance the budget now too much debt and future gen- We don't want to balance the budget. Anybody who tells you the, balance, the budget needs to be balanced doesn't understand economics. But we'll go there another time. But try we, we talk about that all the time. Okay, okay, let's see. Uh, why did, did, uh, did I, I spoke to that? E2247, welcome aboard, my brother. Uh, let's see, I'm still scrolling. Tom C, welcome aboard. Trump made pandemic worse, which resulted in loss of more jobs than would have happened if he took Fauci and other scientists seriously. Perfect answer, sir. All right, I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down. Uh, Jessica says, Roland Martin shoots straight from the hip. Unpopular or not, he, get, he, get, he gives it. Yes, he does. That is so true. Uh, okay, I'm scrolling down. Uh, Roland promotes independent media. Yes, he does. Uh, okay, I'm scrolling down. Maybe I should try to get him on. And Paul Fleming says, that's a fact from a man that used to ruin 15 McDonald stores. He used to run 15 McDonald stores. Anyway, folks. I'm going to be getting out of here. I thank you guys so kindly for being here with me. I couldn't do this without you. Again, please consider getting my book. Uh, It's worth it. And here is the Amazon link. Please consider becoming a part of our PDR Posse. Here is the link, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Please also, if you will, also consider becoming a Patreon politicsandright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We really need your support. And support us as well via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Couldn't do this without you. Thank you so kindly for being here. My name is Egberto Willis, and you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.